Safety Net Studio presents. Talking movies with Brian Lataki. And here we go. Here's Brian Lataki. You can do it. Hello, friends, and welcome to Talking Movies. I'm Brian Lataki, and today we try to survive five nights with Five Nights at Freddy's. We must be new security guards. Can I uh, help you, officer? Have you met them yet? Met who? Them. In the 80s, kids went missing. The police searched Freddy's top to bottom. Hello? They never found them. It's why the place shut down. There are ghost children possessing giant robots. Thanks for the heads up. Technically, they're animatronics. What do they want? They want to make her like them. Bobby! A troubled security guard begins working at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza. During his first night on the job, he realized that the night shift won't be so easy to get through. Pretty soon, he will unveil what actually happened at Freddy's. Written by the team of Scott Cawthon, Seth Cuddleback, and Emma Tammy, based on the video game series Five Nights at Freddy's by Scott Cawthon and directed by Emma Tammy, Five Nights at Freddy's stars Josh Hutcherson as Mike, Piper Rubio as Abby, and features Elizabeth Lale, Matthew Lillard, and Mary Stuart Masterson. As a big video game and horror fan, it may come as a surprise that I have not played a single one of the 10 Five Nights at Freddy's or FNAF games, nor any of their spin-offs. I do know the general idea, which is that you play as a nighttime employee of a defunct Chuck E. Cheese-type restaurant, where at night, the animatronic anthropomorphic animals come to life to attack and ultimately kill your character. I really have no excuse. It all sounds like a great concept and clearly works, considering that there is more than 10 games, a movie spin-off that we're currently talking about, and a very similar movie like Nicolas Cage's Willy's Wonderland. It's birthday time! That all happen to exist and get somewhat decent reviews. Now, story-wise, put the video games away for a minute and remember that movies, especially video game adaptations, are made for everyone, not just the fans of the games. That said, there always needs to be some fan service for the people that are ultimately responsible for the movie being made. If there's no fan base for the game, there's no need for a movie. This movie is not written all that great, but the story is perfect for a horror film. It's super simple to follow, it's predictable, and it utilizes the world well enough that fans should be quite happy, and newcomers like myself may actually feel tempted to pick a copy of one or two of the games up. That said, it's very easy for me to see why the true cinematic reviewers don't have a lot of good things to say about it. Like I said, predictable, easy to follow, and the script isn't all that great. Acting-wise, it's what you should expect from a horror movie. I've talked about this in previous episodes of Talking Movies, but horror movies don't often have the most stellar of acting, especially a movie like this, and especially a video game adaptation. It's done well enough where you won't be shaking your head at the acting choices, but certainly nobody will be talked about when award season comes a calling. Overall, Five Nights at Freddy's is what you should come to expect from a horror video game adaptation, and it does it decently well. It sits at a solid hour and 49 minutes, meaning that it doesn't drag on for too long, and it gives you a decent backstory, moderately done acting, and a script that could easily make a sequel or two pop up down the road. 
When I do reviews, I've always said that you need to make your own decisions, and I'm glad that I did. I enjoyed this movie. Was it mind-blowing? No. Will it make my October movie list in the future? Maybe. Maybe not. But will I watch it again? I definitely would. I give Five Nights at Freddy's a B. Well, the snow is here, and just because you need to bundle up doesn't mean that you shouldn't look good doing so. Nick and the team at Swish Barbershop at 844 St. Mary's Road are ready to line you up and make you look your best. Walk-ins are welcome, or you can visit my barber by booking today at boybarbernick.com. I've just been handed an urgent news story. Let's get into movie news you can use, and let's start it off with a couple of shifting release dates. James Wan's Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom shift its release date by a whopping two days. What was originally supposed to open on Wednesday, December 20th, will now open on Friday, December 22nd. It was also announced that Barry Levinson and Robert De Niro's mobster film Alto Nights, which was formerly titled Wise Guys, has shifted from February 2nd, 2024 to November 15th, 2024, specifically because of the after a strike. In other upcoming projects, it was announced that Chad Stileski's Highlander reboot is officially a go, starring Henry Cavill, and the film's budget is said to be over $100 million. The film will be a reboot of the franchise, which originally had the following synopsis. When the mystical Russell Nash kills a man in a sword fight in a New York City parking lot, he leaves a sliver of an ancient weapon lodged in a car in the process. After brilliant forensic specialist Brenda Wyatt recovers evidence of the mysterious weapon, she and her her partner, Lieutenant Frank Moran, embark on an investigation of Nash that will land them in the middle of a dangerous centuries-old feud between powerful immortals. Stileski has described his reboot as a bit of a prequel and as a complete rebuild of the Highlander franchise from the ground up. He had previously told the Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, quote, we have ideas for days for the coolest characters and an epic TV show. I just think that's rich mythology when you can pick any period of time, any nationality, any culture, any type of person, and make them an immortal that have to duel and deal with the burden of immortality. That's cool. In other upcoming projects, M. Night Shyamalan's upcoming film Trap, which is the first movie from his multi-year deal with Warner Brothers, has officially casted Josh Hartnett to star alongside Shyamalan's daughter, Salika. According to the folks at Film Updates, Salika, who is an R&B singer-songwriter, plays a pop star whose concert is at the heart of the story. Hartnett's character is a father who takes his child to a concert and unwittingly gets caught up in the surrounding events. The movie is currently in productions because M. Night Shyamalan produces and finances his own movies, meaning he was able to get a SAG interim agreement for both Trap and Good Grades to allow the projects to continue. Over at Variety, it's being reported that Universal and Blumhouse have officially announced The Black Phone 2 and its release date of June 27th of 2025. The intention is that this sequel is going to be the launch of a sinister new franchise. As of now, the release date is the only information known about the film. If you scroll back a few episodes, I did review the Black Phone, which starred Mason Thames as Finney Shaw, a shy but clever 13-year-old boy who is abducted by a sadistic killer and trapped in a soundproof basement where screaming is of little use. When a disconnected phone on the wall begins to ring, Finney discovers that he can hear the voices of the killer's previous victims and that they are dead set on making sure that what happens to them didn't happen to Finney. Moving to the mix of video games and movies, it was announced that a video game based on Zack Kreger's horror film Barbarian is currently in production. The Barbarian video game is a collaboration 
collaboration between New Regency Pictures and Diversion 3 Entertainment, a company that previously worked on Friday the 13th The Game and Evil Dead The Game. Details on the game are not currently known, and a concept has yet to be revealed. Barbarian took the cinematic world by form as it follows a young woman traveling to Detroit for a job interview who books a rental home. But when she arrives late at night, she discovers that the house is double booked and a strange man is already staying there. Against her better judgment, she decides to spend the evening, but soon discovers that there's a lot more to fear than just an unexpected house guest. The film star Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, Justin Long, and Matthew Patrick Davis, and is absolutely worth a watch. Just don't talk to anybody before you watch it. Just watch the movie. Barbarian is definitely a go-into-the-film knowing absolutely nothing. Moving to the small screen, a trailer was released by Netflix for their upcoming project starring Michael Fassbender titled The Killer. I find music a useful distraction. A focus tool. Keeps the inner voice from wandering. fateful near miss, an assassin battles his employers and himself on an international manhunt he insists isn't personal. Alongside Michael Fassbender, the film stars Charles Parnell, Arliss Howard, Sophie Charlotte, and Tilda Swinton. The screenplay was written by Andrew Kevin Walker and was directed by David Fincher. The Killer begins streaming on Netflix on November 10th. Over at Disney, The Hollywood Reporter is stating that Daredevil Born Again officially has a new showrunner just weeks after it was revealed that the series was receiving a creative overhaul. Dario Scardapane, who worked on Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan as well as Marvel's The Punisher for Netflix, will serve as the new showrunner, while Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, the directing team who helmed multiple episodes of Moon Knight and Loki Season 2, have also been hired to direct the remaining episodes of the series. Born Again had shot a little less than half of its episodes before it was shut down due to the WGA strike. It was during that time that Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios reviewed the footage and decided that nothing was working. Head writers Chris Ord and Matt Corman were let go, and a major retooling was put into the works. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Corman and Ord crafted a legal procedural that did not resemble the Netflix version known for its action and violence. Cox didn't even show up in costume until the fourth episode. Marvel, after greenlighting the concept, found itself needing to rethink the original intention of the show. When originally announced, Daredevil Born Again was said to consist of 
18 episodes, but due to the overhaul, it's not clear if that's still the case. Following the success of Hocus Pocus 2, writer Jen D'Angelo has stated that she's returning to script Hocus Pocus 3 and is teasing that we could see more of Hannah Waddingham, who played the Mother Witch. During an interview with Entertainment Weekly, D'Angelo said, quote, We're still in the story phase. We're still working on it. We've been working on some ideas, and it's been fun to dive back into that world, and we have so many directions in which to go and so many new characters to explore. We've only scratched the surface of Hannah Waddingham's Mother Witch. Over at HBO, Our Flag Means Death series creator David Jenkins has confirmed that the series will come back for a season three, but did state that season three will likely be its last. During an interview with Variety, Jenkins said, quote, I love things in threes. That first act, second act, third act structure is so satisfying when it's done well, and you don't overstay your welcome. I think this world of the show is a big world, and if the third season is successful, we could go in a different way. But I think for the story of Steed and Ed, that is a three-season story. Our Flag Means Death is set in the early 18th century during the Golden Age of Piracy and follows the misadventures of gentleman-turned-pirate Steed Bonnet, played by Reese Darby, and his crew aboard the Revenge as they try to make a name for themselves as pirates and cross paths with the famed pirate Captain Blackbeard, played by Taika Waititi. Seasons 1 and 2 are both available on streaming services, with Season 2 just ending this past week. In a study recently released by UCLA, American audiences between the ages of 10 and 24, or those classified as Gen Z, appear to want to see less sex on screen and more platonic friendships instead. The Teens in Screen study was conducted by the Center for Scholars and Storytellers and surveyed 1,500 adolescents. Those aged 10 to 12 were not asked any questions about sex and romance, and the questions posed to those aged 13 to 15 used simpler language and more definitions to guide them better in their responses. 51% of those surveyed expressed a desire for more content centered around friendships and platonic relationships, while 47.5% stated that sex isn't needed for the plot of most TV shows and movies. 44.3% said that romance is overused in media, while 39% said they wanted to see more aromantic and or asexual characters on screens. The report went on to say Gen Z's values and desires reach depths beyond what society has typically explored. As demonstrated in this report, they've grown tired of stereotypical heteronormative storytelling that valorizes romantic and or sexual relationships, especially ones that are toxic, and are looking for more representations of friendship, which is a core aspect of adolescence and social well-being. In a press release, the founder of CSS and co-author Dr. Yalda T. Oles commented, saying, quote, While it's true that adolescents want less sex on TV and in movies, what the survey is really saying is that they want more and different kinds of relationships reflected in the media they watch. We know that young people are suffering an epidemic of loneliness, and they're seeking modeling in the art they consume. While some storytellers use sex and romance as a shortcut to character connection, it's important for Hollywood to recognize that adolescents want stories that reflect the full spectrum of relationships. And finally, we end today on the sad news that two icons of television have both passed away. First, it was announced that Richard Mole, who played Aristotle Nostradamus Bull Shannon on all nine seasons of Night Court, has passed away at the age of 80. Besides Night Court, Mole also starred in movies such as Caveman, Evil Speak, The Sword and the Sorcerer, The Dungeon Master, Night Train to Terror, The Dukes of Hazard, and so many more, alongside leading his voice to episodes of Mighty Max, The Incredible Hulk, Spider-Man Justice League, while also voicing Harvey Dent Two-Face in multiple episodes of Batman the Animated Series, The New Batman Adventures, and Batman the Brave and the Bold. It was also announced that Matthew Perry, the beloved star of TV's Friends, has passed away at the age of 54 after an apparent drowning. Perry was one of the biggest stars of the 90s, having played Chandler Bing on Friends, but he did use his fame to get him movie roles, such as The Whole Nine Yards, where he starred opposite Bruce Willis. Perry famously 
famously struggled with substance abuse and stated in his memoir, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing, that he had been sober for many years. That said, his appearance on HBO's Friends reunion caused a lot of concern, with him notably slurring his speech. Perry, though, explained that he had undergone emergency dental surgery shortly before the taping. That's it for this episode of Talking Movies. Follow me on social media at Talking Movies PC and download full-length episodes on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And as always, look at you. Look at the nasty things that you have become. Look how small you are, how worthless you are. You are wretched, rotten little beasts. I made you. Talking Movies.